Let me just eliminate all of the white noise for They're you. They're counting on you not understanding what this is all about. They want to create conflict. They want to create this chaos. They want you to be stupid. This is the Conservative Daily Podcast with Joe Waldman. Yeah, I'm a threat because I'm telling you what the Constitution says. And Max McGuire. The flak is the heaviest when the bomber is right above the target about to open the bomb bay doors. And now the Conservative Daily Podcast is on the air. Welcome back to another edition of the Conservative Daily Podcast. My name is Max McGuire. And my name is Joe Oltman. A little rough morning for me today. <laughs> the time zone is messing with me. That's not what's messing with him. No, that's fine. That's, that's fine. <laughs> I woke up far too early, but the sun comes right in those windows. So the minute there's any light outside, that bedroom is lit up like a Christmas tree. So Max stayed at my house last night, and uh, what he's talking about as far as it was a rough morning is that uh, we, we polished off a bottle of foolproof. Yeah. Weller's foolproof. It was, we, did, we did not. We did not do it. There were six of us, I think, there. There were others. There were, there were a lot of others, but uh, it was a great night. Hey, we have an exciting guest this morning, um, someone that I admire deeply and think is just an all-around great guy. Um, Seth Keschel, let's go ahead and bring him in. Seth. All right, Joe Ash, good morning. Good morning. How are we? Good morning. We just told you our secret. We had a (laughs) bottle of foolproof Wellers last night. We missed you. Nice. Well, I'm on uh, cup number three of my trademark black coffee. All right. Maybe number four. I can't can't remember. (laughs) So so tell us, uh, you've been traveling around the country. I think most people know who you are. Um, but why don't you give everybody just a little bit of an update just in case they don't know who you are. Um, and then we'll just go right into what you're seeing across the country. I've become known for my takes on the 2020 election. Now, in 2016, I called all 50 states accurately using very primitive methodology, to be honest with you. It's, it's seen as revolutionary, but in all actuality, campaigns understand it at the micro level. And I was able to use voter registration, population growth or decline, and most importantly, voter behavior trends to determine the trajectory of the 2016 election when everybody else was lost in polls. That allowed me to see the shift in Pennsylvania, Michigan, Wisconsin, Minnesota, Ohio, Iowa, and predict the election accurately. But in 2020, I used the same methodology and applied it, and it paid off and worked in a number of areas. Like in Florida, I was one of few to predict Trump carrying Florida by over 300,000 votes. Now, what we know about Florida today is the number was likely over six or 700,000, not 370. But Florida's ties to Pennsylvania, Michigan, historically, I knew immediately on election night that something was skewed and off with the numbers. We had a sneak peek on election night of what the actual numbers looked like. You saw Pennsylvania, Michigan, Wisconsin live. And then when things blew up, I immediately injected my methodology into the bloodstream. And I was in the early affidavits in November of 2020 challenging statistically or representing statistical disparate uh, disparate trends in the early affidavits. And since then, when the audit movement kicked off with Maricopa County, my Telegram account skyrocketed as a source of information. And I try to stay at a 30,000 foot level providing a business case to the counties about why audits are needed at a statistical level. And yes, they are valid, even though I get challenged all the time that that's not direct evidence of fraud. So my channels have become prominent. I've been invited to speak in a number of places. I was in 46 states in 2020. And my job is to highlight, to make aware the people of counties about the election disparities. 
So, so let me ask you. Let me ask you a question about this. We we have three different fronts that we attack the election fraud on, and in a and I often call it the small cons and the big cons. Small cons being the things that are done on the ground, to that there you know uh, Dinesh D'Souza uh, is doing a movie on it, right? Um, and that movie is talking about the ballot harvesting, but there's there's a multiple other things that are ha happening. So you have that over there, and they said, okay, this is absolute proof. And then we get over in the machine side, and we say absolute proof. And then we start talking about these other things, but the, but the media is not paying attention to it. Why do you, why do you think the media, not, not just in one area, but across the country, they're, they're basically saying that you're an election conspiracy theorist and that uh, now you're a traitor to your nation? The media has a twofold purpose. Number one is to cover everything over. It doesn't matter whether we're talking about elections or we're talking about how lethal COVID may actually be or how not lethal it is. But with the elections, they already know that 60% of the country believes that the election was compromised. 60 is a pretty rough estimate. Even CNN's own numbers show 52%. So, so they, they realize that 60% have already made up their mind. And I believe 30% probably will never believe any of the election fraud theories. So I think there's 10 to 15% of the population that is still persuadable, depending on what kind of evidence is shown or what kind of information is shown, which is why there's still a need to talk about stuff at this level. But as long as they can keep that 30% engaged in calling you the names and calling you a conspiracy theorist, then they keep this issue from, from being fully resolved. It doesn't take... 100% of the people to believe the media for them to get their way. It takes a, enough of them to make a stink and be loud and, and noisy. So um, one of the things that's always pissed me off so much about this is when you look at bellwether counties, bellwether states, these are as close to a law in political science, in American political science, as we've ever gotten, right? The president, you, you, the victory goes through Ohio, right? The victory goes through Florida, Macomb County in Michigan. These, these areas that just, for whatever reason— seem to get it right, the way that state goes, the way that county goes, the presidency goes. And in 2020, we saw that script get completely flipped, and you saw the bellwether counties get it wrong. I haven't seen any explanation for that. And, and there's so much of this going on in the media, like, oh, pay no attention. It, it's, it's the Wizard of Oz. Pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. Just ignore that. Ignore everything you've ever known about the basics of, of how to call elections, how to predict election outcomes. Has, has there been any, any deep dives into those specific bellwether counties? Because I know we talk a lot about states, Pennsylvania, Michigan, things like that. But the bellwether counties, that seems to me where there should be audits, where, where there are just complete disparities. To properly go through these numbers, remember our elections nationally are, it's not one election. It's 51 different elections, at least as far as how many electoral votes there are. There's 50 states plus Washington, D.C. that carry electoral votes. And two of those states split electoral votes, Nebraska and Maine. Right. Mm -hmm. So we have to deconstruct every state. Every state has its own characteristics and historical trends. Some of them pair up together. Like Pennsylvania and Michigan are almost identical in the way their voting population is. Whereas the upper Midwest, Iowa, Minnesota, Wisconsin, are different. Their third-party vote returning in from 2016 can come back differently. Their center mass is a little more swingy than you have in Pennsylvania and Michigan. But when you look at the bellwethers, they're not causation, they're correlations. So because of this, bellwethers can die. There are counties that die off as a bellwether. And a good example would be like right there where you are. If you had, imagine Douglas County was a national bellwether and it aligned 
blue or red going with the winter. But now because people are pouring out of Denver and moving south and going into Douglas County, it could change the economic makeup of the county. The racial demographics of a county can change. It can become more urban. So if anything becomes much more urban and the population density increases, generally you're not going to find a bunch of 75 plus percent GOP counties like you're going to find in the Texas Panhandle. So they can die off individually. But the national bellwethers generally reflect the largest segment of the electorate, which is the non-college white voter. As the country becomes more diverse, that working class really includes all. And that's why you saw Trump's gains with the Hispanic vote in Florida and Texas, which, of course, is fragmented with Mexican ancestry, Cuban, Venezuelan. So they're not all the same. But the national bellwethers this year and as they have since 1980 pointed to Trump this year. I mean, 2020. Good Lord. Sorry. 2022. But Trump carried the sentiment of the non-college white voter, and he carried the bellwether counties to reflect that. So the only way you're going to lose the election if you carried all your bellwethers is to get smoked with a growing demographic of suburban college whites. And if I look at the numbers in Douglas County or in Arapahoe or in Plano, Collin County, Texas, Denton County, Texas, Trump's vote gains with those counties, with those voters there are historically high, even for Republican standards. So he got the standard tax cut Republican, which is how you got 74 million votes. But when we really go into the bellwether at the state level, you got Iowa, Ohio, North Carolina, and Florida, which has every segment of the electorate, white, black, Hispanic, Asian, college, non-college, unions, rural, urban, suburban, and he carried those states, which is in opposition to what the media said, that he had lost all standard Republicans, minorities, independents. So the bellwethers do paint a picture that at my level, something is wrong and we need to drill. And I will concede that, hey, it's not technically proof, but we need to drill into this. But we have, we have Seth, drilled into it. And you start talking about the mathematical work that uh, Ed Solomon, uh, Draza Smith, Jeff O'Donnell, and we can get into you know, how they built regression analysis. Uh, Ed Solomon got into you know, quadratic equations and, and building it from a, 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 um, a couple different directions basically creating a, a six-dimensional or five-dimensional uh, mathematical probability uh, uh, matrix. But if you look at, if you look at the mathematics, it's, it, what, what has happened in these states, and it's not just one state or two states, what you're finding is going to all these different states is it's almost every state. So we mathematically proved it. Then we got in the machines and we did the images. And the images showed, as you and I both know, log files – if you, if you delete the log files, if you actually delete the log files in every area, you delete it inside of the, um, in the system related to the um, antivirus, if you delete it um, inside of the program itself, if, if, you do, if you do all of that, then if I write a marker, if I put a mark on the board, it basically erases that. So you can't ever even see if it ever happened. So, so the, there is a correlation between everything. I just think that at some point, everyone needs to come together and start talking about what this correlation is, what we're finding in the machines, what we're finding in the uh, math, and what we're finding if you just do statistical analysis. And then obviously what you have with Dinesh, which is, which is the, the actual visuals of people stealing votes. Exactly. And this is, this is also why in my numbers I've always said excess votes, because it seemed to me that, that they were finding a way to stack in and add in votes. And like you're right, with the, with the cyber, the biggest thing for the cyber that makes sense to me if I was investigating this, is the fact that Maricopa County withheld the subpoenaed cyber items, the logs and the router. So it's a very easy, you can really acquit yourself to turn that stuff over if there's nothing to cover up. So I think that you have your answer there in another fashion too. Yeah, 
going to step in real quick to remind everyone that our partner, Enterforce, is giving everyone who's watching a chance to win a 2021 Ford F450 with a gooseneck trailer, Can-Am Maverick, and 20 grand in cold hard cash. We and, that, and that little uh, scooter thing on the back, the little four quad. Yeah, that, that's the, that's the Can-Am Maverick. Right? All right. Okay. I said it. Right. I said it. Um, so here's the deal. We, we've partnered with Enterforce, and we've created this great T-shirt, Free Our People. You're going to want to head over there and, and purchase one of those T-shirts. That Sweatshirt. Is uh, and sweatshirts. Yeah. That is to support the men and women who are currently locked up in D.C. because of what they did on January 6th, locked up without trial, so much for a fast and speedy trial. So when you purchase one of those T-shirts, you're going to get 800 entries to win this Ford F450. But as a bonus, when you use promo code CD21, Charlie Delta 21, and you're going to get an extra 1,000 entries. It's, it's a no-brainer. You can also use CD10 to get 10% off, but I prefer the entries personally. So go to enterforce.com, E-N-R-F-O-R-C-E.com, buy some gear, support our troops, and win big. Full disclaimer, no purchase or payment of any kind is necessary to enter or win, and a purchase or payment will not improve your chances of winning. So, so I want to also say that we're donating a bunch of money to the prisoners that are in Washington, and, um, and the organization itself gives a large amount of money to the veterans' organizations as well. So it's a, it's a two-pronged approach. You know, we're pretty careful who we bring on as partners um, on the show. Uh, but this one's pretty personal to me. Um, obviously, you know what happened to Jake Lang. We talked about it last night. Go back and watch that uh, from yesterday. And then, uh, you know, there's, there's just a lot of bad things happening to people who stood up and for the redress of grievances. All so right, Seth, back to you. Seth, is it possible? Because you're talking about demographic changes, which we know demographic changes exist. We know cities change. Um, is it possible for the demographic changes to happen so swiftly that we see such a complete paradigm shift as it, as it relates to these bellwethers. Like, I, I get it. It just, it just seems that every, it can't happen overnight. It can't just be that big of a change from 2016 to 2020. I look at the demographics, and I don't see them changing that much. And then you see Trump getting more Hispanic votes than he did the previous time, Trump winning more African-American votes than he did the previous time. It, 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 and I know, I know what the answer is, but I'm, I'm teeing it up for you. Is it possible to have that big of a paradigm shift, shift with everything we've come to know about Bellwethers? It's absolutely not going to reflect a complete 180 in one election cycle. That's why I look at the trends. It can trend stuff over the course of eight or 12 years, two, three elections. But you can, you can look inside a, a number of, of different metrics for this election and see that that's ridiculous. One of the things that the left excels at is giving this narrative that because a purple or red state is growing in population and receiving people from blue states, that it's going to turn Democrat. Colorado was already conquered, or I'm not going to say it's conquered, Joe. You're going to get it back. I'm just saying it was flipped with the narrative that was like that. And they, they even spiked the football about it, and I think they made a documentary about it. I think it's called Rocky Mountain Heist. But you can see in Texas they're running the same narrative that they ran in Arizona. Population growth, population growth in Arizona. So population growth in Arizona was the lowest it's been in three decades over the past decade with the latest census data. So 1990 to 2000 and 2000 to 2010, Arizona grew by more people than it did from 2010 to 2020. That's the same thing in Maricopa County as well. So how is it that I have 900,000 new votes for Republican plus Democrat in the state of Arizona in the last election when I have a pretty steady predictor since 2004 about how many extra votes you can expect to come on the board? 
This is no different than any other forecasting that happens in a business or any forecasting that happens in a bookie shop at Las Vegas. This is crazy to see that many new votes with Trump with 409,000 new Republican votes on the board to lose a state that's only been blue once since 1948, talking about Arizona. So the left uses the narrative of changing demographics, liberal states exporting their people. And somehow those liberal states double their own Democrat votes over 20 years and turn everything else purple or blue around it. That doesn't make any sense. Well, and historically, people have voted with their wallet. And from 2016 to 2020, you saw a very, very large um, part of the population that, that were better off in 2020 than they were in 2016. They just were. And, and it, you know, you saw the largest gains for minorities in those four years. You saw a re reduction of regulation. You saw a reduction of gas prices. I mean, everything was going the right direction going into even given the, the pandemic that happened in early 2020. So it, 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 you could look at it mathematically, but even if you just use a common sense denominator, right, the common sense of how people would vote, how they feel when they vote, and the fact that Biden did not get out there, he, he won states that he didn't even visit, um, it, 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 just, it defies logic, it defies common sense. So g given that, why is the media not even curious? I, I mean, I'm curious why the media, why our intelligence community, why are they not curious? Why, why are they not even, why are they not being introspective and even looking into it? The media is not curious because it's their job to protect the political establishment. People mistakenly think that it's uh, the media's pro-Democrat. I don't think they are. They're pro-Democrat if the right is made up of America first. And America first is very simple. It's not so much as conservative as it is this is what our nation has in terms of resources and people in our direction and this is what we will do to make all this stuff a reality and that's why trump's base actually had plenty of social liberals in it that were economic trade-based conservative so that's why the rust belt flipped two-time obama voters in pennsylvania michigan and wisconsin elected donald trump fact and it had little to do with standard big belt buckle texas evangelical conservatism of which i would probably relate to and it had a lot more to do with trade. So Trump's policies were shifting the direction of the nation for a century and the trajectory of the world as who's going to be the world's superpower economically and in terms of foreign policy for a century. And that had to be reversed. So the media cannot revisit something that 60 percent of the population believes, because now you can see in the entire world, even in Canada, that there's a bit of a populist uprising, so to speak. Populism encompasses all wings of the political spectrum, except for the diehard establishment loyalists, which the media definitely carries water for. So if the Democrat Party, one day the Democrats, in any modicum of a fair primary system, will nominate an AOC type. It is inevitable, and that is why they've had to squash Bernie Sanders two times in a row. Because Biden was not even going to win their primaries. And primaries is actually one of the things I will also tell you about being an indicator of 2020 having major problems. Biden was completely DOA in the primaries. The first three primaries, he was fifth, sixth place, not valid. And then they made everyone drop out. Five out of six Democrat primary voters under the age of 30 voted for Bernie in 2016 and voted for Bernie or Elizabeth Sanders in 2020. And when they do that, if the Democrats pull a Trump move in 2016 and they nominate a socials, then you're going to see the media turn around and be the establishment Republican water carriers. And that's when they will put all their efforts into making sure someone like Mitt Romney or Ben Sass or, or a like-minded Adam Kinziger is pushed ahead. So they're not anti-Republican. They're anti-America first.
Do you think the realignment's going to stick? The one that where people stick with Trump and well, no, just the the idea of Republicans all of a sudden being a working class party, where if if you're a blue collar worker, you you stand more to gain by voting red than blue. I mean, traditionally those have been Democrat voters, um, at least in the last couple decades. I I wonder whether the GOP can hold that coalition together, whether the GOP even wants to hold that coalition together. Um, you, you talk about you talk to establishment Republicans; they have nothing but contempt for their voter base, and it's not just the working class people. They have contempt for evangelicals, right? They have contempt for pro-lifers. They hate their 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 voter base. So I, I don't even know if if they want it to. I don't even know if they can keep the the realignment together. So, so Seth, go ahead, go ahead and say something about that, and then I'll, I'll comment. The only person with enough charisma. Theoretically, I like to embrace some of these theoreticals because I'm a believer that history, you can look back, everything always changes. So I'm sure in 100 years, we're going to look back in the political world that we know today, red state, blue state, two parties will be different somehow. I don't know what it looks like. I would imagine there probably won't be 50 states. There may be more, there may be less. But in my opinion, the only person with enough charisma and enough influence to create a viable new party chose to preserve the Republican Party. Donald Trump. There was no one else. So anybody else to splinter something off, like if Joe Rogan starts some new party, you know, he's going to get a couple percent of the electorate behind it. It's going to mess the other party up. But since we have the Republican Party as the only vehicle for America first at this point in time, which requires a two front war of fixing 2020 and adjusting fire for future elections, 2022 and beyond. I think that the GOP base will continue to align with America first policies. Almost everyone that's an actual voter supports it. So it's going to be up to the party to do what they do in places like South Carolina. Remember the push for the Republican Party chairman with Drew McKissick versus Lynn Wood. Well, it's very true. I worked on the map for Lynn Wood to look at to look at that, uh, to see how it is. And they don't allow the voters to vote for GOP party chair. The delegates for the party do, and they amass the delegate power in the urban strongholds that are going to be less America first than the other places. So they machine out the primaries. And in the same way, if the Republican Party can do what the Democrats do, and if they ever get a close race where they can find a faker rhino versus an America first type, and they can machine the primaries to keep the America first people out, then they will. Because they already do it for House seats. They already do it for Senate seats. Yeah. But if it's if it's in uh, any semblance of fair voting and primaries to where the voice of the people is heard, they will always, as a nation, we will. I, I believe the Republicans will nominate America first candidates from now on nationally. But I don't I'm not confident that the Republicans won't stick their thumb in everything as far as legislative support goes. In yeah. so, so it's interesting that you say that I don't actually think we need another party, you know, and, and I've been looking at the math on this and trying to build a model of this. But I think you could just have asterisks. Right. So here's the asterisk. I mean, they call it the Tea Party back in the day. But the asterisks are the America first candidates across the across the board that are Republicans. And so people can differentiate between. Uh, the fact that this person actually cares what's going on in my community, cares about the fact that 52 cents on every dollar goes to the government and they basically waste it, and that that's actually hurting my family and hurting future opportunity, that I'm against critical race here, that I'm against gender fluidity, that I'm against the, the uh, Black Lives Matter and Antifa rhetoric that the media pushes. And that what, what, we're, what we're seeing, not just here in Colorado, but in multiple states where we have FEC United across, you know, growing across the country, is that the establishment GOP is just as toxic and dangerous to people in the community, whether you're Democrat or Republican, as the Democrat Party is. 
They're almost as if they're the same. There's no difference between the two. Matter of fact, they go back to the same radical leftist um, media personalities and have them write hit pieces all day long. And they use the same tools. So, so there is no difference. I feel like we're, we don't have two parties now. So having a third party, I mean, I don't agree with it. But I think that we can get to that place where we have people that say uh, that we run people for delegates because you have to have it. You run people for precinct leaders because you have to have it. So you can actually elect good people within the GOP. But if we don't start cleaning house on the establishment, on the Republican side, we're, we're dead in the water, Seth. You may be able to get America first candidates nationally. Right, because there's a bunch of people that will get behind that that are that are the the wealth makers or the they're the guys that make it. But but I don't think on a local level until you can start really seeing a battle between inside of the establishment on both sides, can you eradicate the the Democrats of of this radical leftist mentality and you can't eradicate the establishment, which really just doesn't care about the people. We're an inconvenience to them. Well, that's why the reason that the Democrats have to make the wholesale changes that they're making is because they know what their political future looks like. So should they lurch and become party of AOC, there will actually be several states that they will solidify and win big, but not many. So I think that Washington and Oregon would probably go bigger for the Democrats. I think that the urban environment there is going to really support that. And it's evidenced by four electors in Washington in 2016 not voting for Clinton. But then you have you know, places like Minnesota, I think, would probably be open to more of the democratic socialism stuff. But the working class states, North Carolina, Florida, Texas, Arizona, they're all going to trend. California is going to trend more Republican, which is why they went to put in mail-in ballots permanently. Pennsylvania is looking to enshrine mail-in balloting as well because they know that they're becoming Ohio. Ohio is becoming Indiana. Indiana is becoming West Virginia. That whole area is going to be completely infertile territory for the for the Democrats, which is why they have to make the changes because the socialism is going to lose. Florida would be a 10 plus point Republican stronghold like 1990s and 2000s Texas if they went to Bernieism. But the Republicans have lost the, they, they have never really had, but they have no idea how their base thinks. I was going to make a post about this email that I got. It's laughable. Dear Seth, House Republicans have warned you that your membership lapsed, begged you to reactivate, please pleaded with you to humbly fix and it says that um, I'll be removed from their list for good if I don't renew it in the next oh, yeah, 10 right. minutes. Yeah, well, right. let, me, let me go run out <laughs> now and renew my loyalty to the House GOP, which, which completely failed to support Trump's agenda. Now they want to build a wall. Well, you just had Trump in office for four years, and you did everything you could to send Paul Ryan down to the border and make a horse's ass of himself riding on, well, riding on a horse. But that's, uh, that's what I have issues with. It's just who writes these emails? It's almost like you have a mole inside the GOP communications team. Yeah. You talk about making changes. Going to remind everyone that if everyone listening, if you're, if you're not already using a VPN, you really need to check out our sponsor, IP Vanish. If you're tired, are you tired of feeling like someone's always watching you on the internet? Maybe advertisers know a little bit too much about you. Things are following you around with ads. Are you concerned about the privacy of your identity? And using incognito mode won't solve the problem either. IP Vanish VPN is here to protect your right to privacy and help you stay anonymous online. IP Vanish helps you safely browse the internet without exposing your private details to third parties such as hackers, your ISP, or advertisers. You can I- use IP Vanish on your phones, tablets, um, computers, even devices like your Fire Stick when you're streaming on your television. 
When you use IPVanish, all of your data is encrypted. This means that your private details, passwords, communications, browsing history, and more will be completely shielded from falling into the wrong hands. Even your physical location will be hidden. IPVanish makes you virtually invisible online. It really is that simple. And here's the deal. As a listener of our program, IPVanish is offering an incredible 70% off their yearly plan along with a 30-day money-back guarantee. That's a no-brainer. Basically, that's like getting nine months of this for free. IPVanish is super easy to use. All you have to use is ta- all you have to do is tap one button, and you're instantly protected. You won't even know it's on. Stop sharing with the world everything you watch, everything you search for, and everything you buy. Take back your privacy today with a brand that's rated 4.6 out of 5 on Trustpilot. So go to IPVanish.com forward slash daily and use promo code daily and claim your 70% savings. Again, that's IPVanish.com forward slash daily. All right. Hey, Seth, back to you on this. The work that you've been doing, you've been traveling around. Tell me, what, what's your why? I always want to ask everyone what their why is. What's your why? Why are you doing this? I mean, it, it's, it's obvious that you've paid some pretty hefty prices. What's your why? The truth has to be put out there. And as far as the truth, you can slice that anyway. My numbers speak for themselves. I rarely use the the F word at my briefings. And I don't mean the four letter one. I mean the five letter one that we're talking about here in this show. People can make these decisions. They can look at the numbers and I can explain it. It's no different than when you go in for a physical the doctor draws your blood and he runs your values and says, Hey, this one's high and it aligns with this potential disease that you may have. Now you may not have it, but we need to run these tests to determine that one way or another. So we have many different people, many different methodologies. Dr. Frank, people ask me all the time if Dr. Frank's work conflicts with mine. It doesn't. Mine is at a, at a higher level. At, you know, I can fly across the 30,000 feet and he'll dig down and drill in and show what's going on with the voter roll. So they complement one another. So we need the people that are in the 10 to 15% that are starting to feel the heat, which I have a number of them that are like, hey, I, I woke up on 11.3 or 11.4 or you have inflationary crisis, or you have any other issues that are going on, they're starting to come awake. And that's why the number of people who have believed that 2020 is full of issues continues to climb. It was 44% in November of 2020, and now it's in the mid to upper or 50s or 60%. And that's because the consequences of the country going in this direction is waking people up to the fact that maybe those people are not conspiracy theorists after all. That's my why. My why is that, I, I and I believe my belief system, my belief system is that everyone has gifts and talents that are superior to everyone else's that they know. So there's people out, every single person does something better than everyone else they know. And when they figure out a way to combine that with the things they care about, then it creates something that makes an impact. So I do believe that everybody is capable of doing big things and having an impact, but I believe that the choice is made to not pursue that because of fear of failure or not wanting to take on any sort of associated risks or to get targeted by the media. Well, and, you know, it did cost you your day job. It did. It did, definitely. And and I, uh, but, but the fact is that when one door closes, another one opens. And I believe that. And, and I think that, that as far as, you know, looking forward into the future, people are not going to want to live in a country that is governed like California. And that's a a very strong reality. There's a number of states that are governed like California. But if you think that you're 55, 60 years old and you're going to be able to ride this thing out and, you know, go get your big piece of land in in Montana or, well, by the way, Texas is getting full. So you're running out of land here. But in Montana or Idaho, it's kind of relaxed. 
you know, good and smart. But if you're going to get your piece of land in Montana or Idaho and you're going to you know, be peacefully retired and be left alone, they won't leave you alone. So there's a guy named Eric Erickson, the conservative pundit. And mm-hmm. he's a conservative good pundit. Guy. I mean, like Republican pundit. Now, I, I don't see eye to eye on his views about the America First movement at all. But one thing that he says that I repeat all the time, and I credit him for, is that you will be made to care. You will be made to care. There is zero sitting back and being like, I'm immune to any of the strife in the country. I can be completely bland and not have an opinion and be left alone and retire on big land and enjoy economic prosperity. You won't. All, the, all your savings will be devalued at this rate. If your country becomes governed like California, because good people that had skills, and we have lots of skills, and I'm not one to write off. Look at you guys. This is a media podcast, right? So there's a lot of people that would say media is all bad. It's not. The left has just commandeered a narrative that all media belongs to them, all academia belongs to them, entertainment and sports belong to them, and that's not true. And that's why they hate seeing people like Tim Tebow succeed. Because every time Tim Tebow plays a game and he's got eye black with scripture on it, that's the most frequently searched term on the internet. You have people with talents and artistic people. Well, we feel like anybody that's artistic or creative must be a liberal. You know, somebody that's good at painting, somebody that's good at recording music. Well, that's not true. You know, we have all have talents. I've got people that are graphic designers that come to me and say, hey, can we help make graphics and charts? And they do a great job with it. That is their talent. My talent is taking complicated things and making them easy to understand in about 60 seconds. I could totally run laps and do crazy math stuff, and then nobody would understand it because if I can't make the steel mill worker in Western PA grasp the, the complexity of the 2020 election, then we are wasting our time. Likewise, you can't go into Colorado if you can't make people understand that First off, Janet Griswold is a is a is a gift to humanity because very few people were talking about Colorado until she came out and said there will be no post-election audits in Colorado. Well, I didn't realize that we were talking about it because Biden supposedly won it by 13 and a half points. So what yeah. are you trying to say? He won it. He won Colorado as big as as big as Trump, Trump almost bigger than Trump carried South Carolina by. So she kind of opened a can of worms with that. And now look what we're finding yeah. out in. in Mesa County, and let alone all the serious voter roll issues that. How are about there. how about Elbert County, and now we have a third county clerk and recorder. So so they the the problem with what's happening in Colorado. I want to talk to it just really quickly because I know that you're you're aware of it. You came to Colorado, and talked about Arapahoe County, Douglas County, uh, Douglas County. By the way, I think was the cleanest out of all of them, other than the fact that we had inflated voter rolls. Um, but you start looking at. Um, uh, El Paso County, which was an abysmal failure, and how the rhinos uh, protected that stronghold. Because had we gotten the, through everything in El Paso County, I still believe that we were, were making good progress on that. Um, we would have found the same thing we found in Mesa County. And now we have lawsuits against uh, Jenna Griswold. I don't know how she's going to, you know, uh, escape it. And 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 it, if 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 Colorado's a problem, Seth. If Colorado's a problem, this is the home of Dominion voting systems, and every county except for two, Garfield and 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 uh, Douglas County, are Dominion voting systems. And I, I do believe I'm not sure, but I do believe that, that we did an audit of one of those two counties, Garfield or Douglas County, um, that just as a comparative, because they have clear ballot versus Dominion. Uh, w- once you get to the bottom of this, no matter they can't put a, a lid on it. Now you have a New Hampshire, and you have all these other states. But, but Colorado is showing that the fraud is widespread. 
that it's not, it's not a small problem. It's a huge problem and a network of just really bad, evil people that frankly include some of the Republicans. 100% include the Republicans. Look at the Maricopa County Board of Supervisors. It's four out, four out of five positions are occupied by Republicans and they are establishment Republicans. You can see the, the audio recordings of Steve Chukri discussing the issues prior to the audit kicking off and talking about why they didn't want the audit done. There were two Maricopa County board members that were elected by ILAC, one of them by 403 votes out of 425,000 cats with a massive provisional rejection rate in that, that supervisor district. And then you have another who was elected by less than 5,000 votes out of 368,000 cast. So I'm not confident that this is a one-party feeding trough. I think it's both. And I think that that's probably one of the key issues that you have. I mean, look at Texas. Texas is Secretary of State's office, and I will admit I was surprised by this because I thought that the Texas Secretary of State internal audit would be one of those dipstick, check-the-engine-oil kind of things, everything's good here. And that coughed up 450,000 duplicate voter registrations statewide and another couple hundred thousand of issues. And they said that there were 685,000 suspect voter records. And somebody predicted 675,000 excess votes for one particular candidate in Texas last summer. And I was just reading something that um, had to do with uh, Saudi Arabia, which is a different topic, but... Uh, Tarrant County. Tell me about Tarrant County. Tarrant County is an urban county that contains Fort Worth, just so the audience knows. Fort Worth, of course, is the more conservative twin of the Dallas-Fort Worth area, Dallas being the urban liberal scape that it is. Tarrant County also has smaller cities and communities that absorb the urban vote. So Tarrant County has been a solid 10-plus point Republican county presidentially in every presidential election since 1968. 64, Lyndon B. Johnson won it, but Lyndon B. Johnson was from Texas, and Texas was still a Democrat state in the 60s. But Tarrant County was Republican since 1952, so Tarrant County's been Republican before Texas was a Republican thing. And Tarrant County flipped in 64 for the hometown guy, and then it went right back into its pattern of being Republican. And George Bush won it in 04. And since 04, the Republicans have gone down in overall votes, even as the county has gained. I count votes, just like that course field right behind you. They count runs. I can give you all the stats in the world, but ultimately, whoever has the most runs wins. Likewise, whoever has the most votes wins. So I do count accumulation of votes because I can give you an expected rate of change. Right. But in Tarrant County, Bush carried it in 04 by over 20 points. And then what happened is McCain had fewer votes than Bush. Romney had slightly more votes than McCain, but not as many as Bush. And then Trump had fewer votes than Romney. So Bush 04, here's Trump 16, there's fewer votes for Trump than there were for Bush. And then Trump still won the county by nine points in 2016. And then this year, or in 2020, Trump gained 64,000 new votes in Tarrant County. Confirmation that he pulled in more black men, he pulled in the Hispanic working class, and he got the standard tax cut Republican back on his side who voted third party because they wanted Ted Cruz in 2016. Trump gained 64,000 votes, which is the first vote net vote gain since 04 for Republicans, only to lose the county for the first time since 1964 with a record new Republican vote. That is the statistical case for Tarrant County. Now, we've drilled in because there's teams here in Tarrant County that are working very in, in, in enormous fashion. There's a lady here named Susan Valiant, who's a precinct chairwoman. 
and she really gets the job done. And they've tried to push resolution after resolution. And of course, it's met with opposition because Tarrant County, a blue Tarrant County, is one of the linchpins for a blue Texas. And you cannot unveil that and, and get into Tarrant County without causing a serious damage to the narrative. So Tarrant County seriously got a lot of problems. And every other Republican on ticket won big time. So, so there's there's one big thing that happened during this election. And there was a guy in Tarrant County that came in to run the elections in Tarrant County. And he is a previous Smartmatic employee and code writer. Is that a real thing? Because, I mean, they're, I mean, I know it's a real thing, but they're, they're trying to basically say, oh, that's not true, it's not true, it's not true. Yep. Even though that they flushed his entire resume, we were able to uncover that resume, and it's absolutely true. Am I, am I lying, Seth? No, his name's Hyder Garcia, and he's the supervisor of elections in Tarrant County. And he, is, uh, he actually claims to be a conservative, which is interesting. Now, I'm not saying that the supervisor of elections should be conservative or liberal or biased in any way. I feel the same way about judges. I get frustrated with the Republican or Democrat judges because I feel like they should just be judges. But he is rumored to have something called the Midas touch, which is funny. One of our activists here said that. And I was like, what do you mean? And she said, well, everything he touches turns blue. So everywhere he goes, winds up becoming a, a Democrat bastion. And, and, and by the way, he says that he's a conservative, and it brings me back to, again, the establishment and talking about what's really happening with the establishment. The establishment is, you know, they bash, 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 bash. You know, in the workplace, you have to take harassment, anti-bullying. Um, uh, uh, training. Training. Right. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, Anti-bullying training. And yet if you get out in the real world, if you step out of line away from anything that they don't like, they just attack you in the media, beat you on, with the, the big tech and do exactly what you're not allowed to do in the in the workplace. They just do it out and open and they lie about everything. But so to, to give a better concept of how unlikely it was for Tarrant County to flip in 2020 with Trump's vote gain. Take something 10 to 15 points blue. So let's take New Jersey. 10 to 15 yeah. points blue is what it normally is. And imagine that we have a, a state, 10 to 15 points blue, and then I'm going to tell you beforehand that the Democrat nominee is going to gain a new record number of new votes in this stronghold. You're going to say immediately, it's like, okay, well, they're clearly going to win that. And then Trump flips New Jersey with his own record of new votes because a voter pool is a finite pool of voters. I don't care yeah. if the county's growing or not. That is statistically why everybody's like, yeah, there's no way that, that Tarrant County flipped. And and they just say, well, yeah, you know, people didn't like Trump. We did canvassing and people said that they're going to vote Republican except for Trump, which is why Trump, of course, gained more new votes than any Republican in history. And they've never had issues winning it before. Makes total sense. Yeah. <clears throat> this podcast is also sponsored by Air Make Care Network. I get this last ad read in. Uh, whether you live in the city or, or rural area, suburban area, you got to get this coverage. Airmate Care Network exists to make sure that if you ever suffer a medical emergency and need to be airlifted to a hospital, it will not bankrupt your family. This It can cost tens of thousands of dollars. Your insurance company is not going to want to pay for it. They don't even want to pay for an ambulance. Airmate Care Network, as I said, may, exists to make sure you don't go bankrupt. So here's the deal. You sign up. It costs $85 for one year. That's going to cover you, your spouse, and your children, your entire household. And if... God forbid any of you suffer a medical emergency need to be airlifted to a hospital. You will not pay one cent for that air medical transportation flight as long as you're flown by an AMCN provider. Don't worry. They fly over 100,000 patients a year, and they have a tool on their website where you can put in your zip code to make sure that you have coverage in your area. But there's an extra bonus for anyone who is listening or watching this show. When you use the link in the description, 
airmedcarenetwork.com forward slash daily and then use promo code daily they're going to give you up to $50 back in the form of a gift card it's free money so again go to airmedcarenetwork.com forward slash daily and use promo code daily to get up to $50 back all right Seth we've talked about Tarrant County and the probabilities (laughs) of that and obviously we don't don't want to use the five letter f word um, here Um, obviously I think that people can come to their own conclusions. I always like the fact that people can come to their own conclusions, and I like the fact that people are coming to their own conclusions. But but what do we? where do we go from here? I mean, we're headed into 2022. We have primaries that are just a couple months away. We have people all over the country that are saying, get rid of the voting machines completely. Uh, serendipitously, you have a video coming out, excuse me, a, a movie coming out by D'Souza that is saying, Dinesh D'Souza, that, that is saying that, oh, it was ballot stuffers. <laughs> we have more than enough fraud that, that we've been able to prove in the machines. And I feel like we're, we're doing this thing where the, again, it's, it's like a psyop. They're just pushing us again to the left and saying, hey, nothing to see here. Let's let these guys continue to do the things that they've done. Where do we go going into the primaries? Because there's a large contingent of people who are like, if we go into the primaries with the machines, we're going to go in there to rip the machines out and throw them in the trash, right? We're, we're not doing it. We're not voting with a machine. We need to, we need to paper ballot this. So where do we go from here, going to the primaries? What are you seeing and what are you feeling as you talk to people when you go across the country related to that? People are very frustrated with a lack of change, a lack of action, a lack of remediation of 2020. That's why I call it a two-front war. And I, I've recently come to, the, come to terms with something I've always known, but as far as being able to lay it out there, when people get frustrated at you or at me about the election, not you know, proper, all proper office holders, it's not just the White House, Okay. All profit, proper office holders being seated. The first safety measure against an election situation of 2020 happening is at the county level. Remember Wayne County, Michigan, the two Republican representatives didn't want to certify the results. And they were coerced into doing so under the guise of, hey, it's going to go to the state. And if there's an issue, the state can you know, scrape it clean. Well, the state got it. And the state said, well, we have a deadline to certify the election. So we'll certify because if there's an issue, the courts are going to throw it off. And then everything went up to the courts and the timeline for putting those cases together was extremely expedited. And the court said, OK, well, that's great, but you have no standing procedural grounds. Go forward. Knowing that election fraud is extremely hard to challenge was one reason that it was carried out. So when we look at it like that, people are tired of getting the can kicked down the road. And I think it's clear that there's a there's something out there pushing this that direction. So you have to you have to get to the point where you take the example of Racine County, where you have actual evidence of election fraud. Here's a nursing home. Here's 50 beds in a nursing home, and they had 120 mail-in ballots come out of this. Here's an apartment complex with 24 units and 400 registered voters. They have this all over Wisconsin. And here's evidence of this. Sheriff, Mr. Sheriff, Here's the evidence we have. Here's all the affidavits and evidence pertaining to this. Here's our recording of us handing this off to you and your office and your representatives. It is now your duty, since election fraud is a violation of the law, to refer this for charges. Is this going to be referred? Yes or no? And if the answer is no, then we have to find a way to move to the next steps on this. And, of course, the media likes to say that people are extremists and calling for violence. I will never do that. But there has to be a realization that the standard methods of dealing with election fraud, which is documented because people knew the ultimate ends of man is to achieve power and to exercise authority over people. So why would we not think that election fraud is the most fundamental natural thing to occur when a society has lost its grip on morality? Or accountability. There has to be involvement with, 
law enforcement at this point in time. If if there's evidence, if there's evidence and evidence must be produced and it's not going to be heard in the proper channels, then it is the duty of law enforcement to handle those kinds of issues. So what happens, what happens when the people believe that their representatives, their senator, their president, their county commissioners, their sheriff are not legitimate, that they are compromised when they see everyone at every single level either benefiting from the fraud outright or refusing to prosecute it. I mean, it's said that these people serve at the consent of the governed. One, one of the parts of that consent is, is believing that the results are legitimate, believing that one plus one equals two and it doesn't suddenly equal three. I, I, this scares me because when you see sheriffs not doing anything, courts not doing anything, um, the legislature not doing anything, you realize that they're just all – they're either all in on it or they're, they're just really bad at their jobs. And you lose faith in the system. And the left loves to talk about this like, oh, you are eroding the democratic institutions. And that's, that's a load of BS, a lot of it. But at the end of the day, we – it's kind of like money. Our money has value because we say it has value. Our government – is is legitimate because we say it's legitimate because we go along with it at some point there's a tipping point where enough people don't believe in it and 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 that's that's where you get into scary stuff do you think we're we're close to that absolutely the the nation itself this year this july 4th will be 246 years since the declaration of independence was signed we're coming on a quarter of a millennium of existence in the united states and you can look at the map of Europe in 1914. In fact, I love maps, as you, as you can tell behind me. But the map of Europe in 1914 had 14 nation states. And then this giant political debacle called World War I happened. It was made up of all these fragile alliances that pulled everybody into a war against one another. And now today, 108 years later, we have 47 nation states in Europe. So it is the, it is the destiny of nations to splinter and break, even the strongest, over time. That doesn't mean that if the United States were to change into something else, it would be horrible all across the board because there are a hundred plus million people that are lions for freedom and liberty that are out there. So there will always be a future for freedom and liberty, but it doesn't mean that it's going to come without without pain and without consequence. So the consequence of an election system that's broken in a constitutional republic is that basically there is no consent of the governed, like you mentioned. And you're going to run into a situation where as long as things are prosperous and great, people are going to be numb to the problems and they're going to deal with it injustice. You know, remember the Boston Tea Party was thrown over a breakfast uh, a tax on the breakfast drink of choice, for goodness sakes. Tea. Now, look at, the stuff, look at the stuff that is going on now in the country, the stuff that's being forced on children, the stuff that is being forced on homeowners. Here in Texas, property taxes are crisis. And you have people that can't keep up with their property tax over time if they're on a fixed income. So you have serious issues with that. That's worse than a tax on your breakfast drink of choice. You have a border overflowing with illegal aliens. And the left and the media has made that into a racial issue because their skin is brown. That's actually not the issue. The issue is an economics issue. It's a trafficking issue. Houston and Dallas are two of the largest human trafficking hubs in the entire world. And our governor here has failed on his duty to protect the state and its borders. He's failed on elections. He's failed on managing COVID. And I hate to say that because he was an effective conservative governor for quite some time. And that is the, the God's honest truth. Go ahead, Max. Well, no, you're, I mean, you're going to. I, I agree with you. It's the, this all just it. 
at some point, and, and you mentioned the the Boston Tea Party. In fairness, they also taxed paper and whiskey <laughs> and sugar and and lots of the the staples. Um, but no, we we don't li- we don't live in a country where people are willing to take back their freedoms over a slight tax on whatever good, right? I mean, these are people who see their tax bill go up every single year and they just shrug it off, right? Like we don't well, want to get right. to a, we don't want to get to a part a point where they're actually tar tarring and feathering people because that's what they also did um, in the colonies. But the, the, people have to. Joe says get in the gap. People have to. I say they have to give a shit, right? At, at some point, if if you don't have that that GAS factor, um, that's what's so depressing for me, right? Because obviously we do this podcast, we reach a ton of people. But there's still so many people out there who go about their daily lives. You said that no matter what this kind of stuff is going to touch you, you can't retire into the mountains or onto your ranch and not be affected by all this craziness. There's a lot of people who think that they can, and they're wrong, right? It's obviously is affecting them, but they don't care. And that's the other side of it. When when people realize that this is all <laughs> all, all rigged, there's other people that, that don't even care. We've been sheltered. We've been sheltered from a lot of the rest of the world's issues. So, so forty plus percent of the world lives on less than two dollars a day. Hey, Americans, yeah. even the poorest Americans, do much better than that. And it's forty dollars. It's four dollars a day now. Just so you know. I did oh, that well, that's much yeah. much better. You so can get a, you can it. get an, you can get an extra <laughs> cup of coffee at Starbucks. Now, what you had, you talk to the immigrants, like the ones from Venezuela, yeah. you talk to the ones from Vietnam, talk to the ones from Eastern Europe, Romania. And they will tell you that they see it very clearly, the trajectory that much of America is being pulled in. And as far as restoring confidence to the election system, whenever I talk about 2022, there's always people are like, are you forgetting about 2020? The answer is no. But you have to understand, I think that there's 10 points. And I've posted about them on Telegram. If you want me to, I don't know how short we are in time, but I can document the 10 Got about five briefly. minutes left. Go ahead. Okay, good. Number one, number one, all of, if, I, if I was supremely in charge of all elections, all voter rolls dumped, and all legitimate voters re-registered with appropriate means of confirmation to eliminate illegal or double registering of voters. So this is basically no load of them onto the arc two by two. You go back and you, because a number of the states like Pennsylvania have had corrupted voter rolls for many years where they never dumped them. In Wisconsin, you see people registered as apostrophes. It's ridiculous. Number two, a ban on all electronic elections equipment. So poll books, voting machines, tabulators, the whole nine yards. Number three, Paper and pencil balloting only, valid photo ID required. Number four, mail balloting illegal, with the exception of overseas military, legitimately disabled with the proper authorities to monitor the filling out of the ballot, and then professionals that are not able to get to the polls on election day. We're talking about doctors, pilots that are not present. Number five, with few exceptions, no more early voting. So maybe there's in-person early voting the weekend before for the people that can't vote in person on election day. It's election day, not election month. Number six, smaller precincts. I think the aim for Maricopa County's independent canvas was under 1,000 voters. That will require more involvement by the locals to be precinct chairman. That'll allow the vote to get out more effectively and also to keep accountability on who votes in the precincts. Number seven, ballot harvesting must be illegal. That's what D'Souza's video is about, basically, and that's why I measure excess votes, punishable by a decade in prison. Number eight, election day. This is a compromise position. It would be very popular in a place like Colorado. Election day is a state or national holiday. Giving that as, a, as an option will eliminate 
the need for all the early voting and mail-in balloting, there'll be no more excuses. You watch and see who wins with one day to vote. Number nine, winners announced by midnight. So you have Texas and Florida that can tally up 10 million votes 90 minutes after the polls close, but you have Pennsylvania and California need weeks and days. Now, th there may be a problem with that. That might be the only conflict in my list because I banned electronics equipment. So maybe that's how they can tally the votes so fast. But needless to say, we need to stop sacrificing confidence in our election systems in favor of comfort. And finally, serious prison terms for anybody caught distorting the election process. And you can see that in many ways, like in Detroit, the boarding up at the center, using the police to keep people away. That's a good example. So, and those so, are my 10 points. So, so those are great points. And Seth, if you could send those over to me, I will post those um, as well. Or if you can put it up on your Telegram channel, I will share it as well. Um, I think it's important that we, I mean, all of those make sense. Uh, I do want to point out that the Tennessee BLM leader um, was just sentenced to six years in prison for election fraud. Six years in prison. The BLM uh, founder of BLM in Tennessee was just sentenced to six years in prison. She was, <laughs> like most of the BLM, it's a bunch of criminals that run the organizations, um, was uh, on probation for uh, theft and fraud. And uh, Tennessee BLM? Yeah. They're going after the Bureau of Land Management now? Black Lives Matter, brother. Black the Lives other Matter, BLM. Actually. Yeah, the other BLM. So, so it, 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 there, you know, there are some things that are happening to say, hey, look, we're throwing the book at them, but that was just for illegally voting. That wasn't for election fraud. I mean, what you're talking about is if you are convicted of election fraud, that you get 10 years in prison. And there's, there's a comment that was made in, in New York and in, uh, in New York City, and that is a mother of a child who was uh, brutally um, beaten said, I don't care if Rikers Island fills up. And I think that's what most Americans feel, is that they don't care if Rikers Island fills up. As long as they're filling up with people that are doing the crime, they should do the time. And I, I just don't, I, I think that we have, we have this kind of mixed idea. Oh, and I want to bring this up. Seth, how much less expensive is it to do paper and ballot than it is to have the election machines? I'm sure it's far less expensive. I, I have no idea what the actual dollar amounts are, but it's, I mean, it's a, it's an unbelievable thing. Savings. These big contracts, these big fat bids that go out to buy all this electronic equipment yeah. full of so much pork, you can't even pinpoint it. it, it I'm talking 40, 50, 60% less. 60% less to do paper and pencil. I mean, less. Yeah. Less. Well, the and people. I, I, believe, I believe that's how they voted for Brexit in, in the UK was paper and pencil ballots. It's less. So they want to talk to us about money and doing audits and everything else, and they won't let us into the machines, right? They're trying to hide it. They fight tooth and nails. They've been fighting tooth and nail. These election companies have been fighting tooth and nail who are run by these private equity firms, which are run by and connected to China, Ukraine, Romania. I can go down the line. And yet, we all we wanted to do was see the truth. We were curious, right? Let's let's see it. But they hid it from us. Yeah. Give you the final word, Seth, before we wrap up. I always say it to everybody: you do things well, and you do things better than other people that you know. And that's not a point of arrogance or confidence or overconfidence or pride. That is a fact. So you've all been given certain talents, and there's certain things you care about. So my thing happens to be elections. But there's a lot of people I run into who are dragged in by a friend or a spouse at these events who 
don't know the first and foggiest detail about elections, but they do care about pro-life matters or they do care about the mandates because they're school nurses. And when you see people putting together their skills and their cares, then you see them do special things. I met a lady in Alabama who started a group, a medical freedom group at home. It was just her and two friends. And then six weeks later, she told me at an event in Birmingham that now they have over 100 people in multiple homes. So the point is multiplication. Everybody wants to be part of something, but not everybody wants to lead because of risk. And 90% of the people are just along for the ride, 10% lead the way. So they're attracted to authentic leadership. So whatever it is that you care about, you're running out of time to exercise your ability to impact things. It's a late hour. So I would say that if you care and you agree with me that you're not going to be able to ride this out, then you better figure out how to put your skills to use. Well, I would tell you that um, we, you've said it clearly that violence is not the answer, right? But the left has no, been very... Different. They have been very violent towards us in a lot of different ways. And uh, when, when we talk about getting in the gap, when you talk about doing something, it's important to, to realize that we have to protect each other standing shoulder to shoulder. So we have to be able to, the only way to push back bullies and people that want to hurt us physically hurt us is to stand together, right? And stand against it. Yeah. Seth, thanks for coming. 100%. Yeah, thanks, Joe. Max, appreciate you. Hey, God bless you. And we'll, yeah, uh, I'll talk to you soon. All right. All right. Seth Keschel. Yeah. Well, that's it. We're out of time. We, we are out of time. I, I do want to say this, if I can. We're out of time. I get to read this, and then I get to throw it. Hey, if you like us, uh, follow us on uh, Rumble. Subscribe to us on Rumble. If you subscribe to us on Rumble, by the way, you'll get a, a reminder when we do go live. Um, you can follow us on Telegram at Conservative Daily. You can also uh, view us live every day, 9 a.m. Mountain Standard Time, 5 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. That's 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time and 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on conservative-daily.com, Rumble, DLive, Twitch, Frank's Beach, and CloudHub. You can find us on uh, the audio version at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, Podbean, iHeartRadio, Pandora, and Audible. We do know that they are shadow banning us, so do the best you can, but go there, subscribe, and give us a five-star review. Uh, share this episode with someone that needs to hear it. Um, or that just needs to enjoy it. We grow with you. Um, if you need to get a reminder when we go live, uh, text the word FREEDOM to 89517 and sign up for our text forward system. Use the link in our description as well to subscribe to our newsletter so you can get our fax blasts and you don't miss any of the important projects we're working on right now. That's it for this episode of Conservative Daily Podcast. My name is Joe Oltman. My name is Max McGuire. Remember, the fight to take back the country not over yet, but the only way we win is if we all stand up and fight together.